Hey, guess what? It's time for LeaveTheBottlePodcast.com. Well, I wanted to, first of all... Um, Are we starting I, officially now? Sure. Okay. Sure, we're officially. All right, here we go. Beep. Beep. Start. I'm Jim. And, and I'm Randy. And sorry, I caught Randy in No, that's okay. That's okay. Um, I, I want, first thing I wanted to say was I was... I know Randy does not. You don't listen to our past recordings, and and I understand that. Never. You have, you have a million. <laughs> you have a million online shows, so I get that. Where I don't, so my crippling insecurities still force me to listen to each and everything we do. And I'm listening the uh, the other day after the Ukraine show that mm-hmm. we did with Julia. She was a lovely girl, by the way. Very lovely, very smart. Mm-hmm. And I'm listening to it afterwards, and I just wanted to put my head in my hands. I was horrified. I did such a terrible job. It was just such an injustice. It was it was funny. Um, my wife was kind of laughing in the other room because I was playing it through the stereo. And uh, she's like, well, you got a lot of ums, ums, ums going there, don't you? And I said, it's easier when you and I are bantering back and forth and we're it is. talking about whatever we do. Well, we and had that was a very, very difficult situation, too. Uh, she's yes. a wonderful person, and I actually have met her, so it made it very easy for me. But she was very hard to understand. Her audio was way off and all that. So, But, but also because of the subject matter. You know, you know how oh, it, it is. is. When, yeah. when you're talking about things that you're more comfortable talking about, you, you don't have to search your your data bank of your right. brain nearly as much and i found that i was like searching that data bank in my brain and it was early in the morning and i'm not making excuses True. but it is what it is yeah it is and, and I, I was struggling at times and i was listening afterwards like oh my god i sound like a damn idiot I here would not worry no no i wouldn't worry about it at all well this was just three hum- worried three human just- well it was three human beings talking yes. now it's two okay so um, i apologize to whoever out there had to listen to the mess that was me the other day don't worry about anyway well, now you're not, you're not worried. Worried. i'll be a, i'll be a new mess today okay no uh, well maybe i will i don't know maybe it's my turn uh, a couple of things though first of all um a quick because we kind of when she dropped out a couple of times we were talking about a couple of things and this I'd, I'd like to keep this short because I have a topic I would really like to talk about that's just between you me and whoever else is listening but okay. we mentioned the um, uh, the guy who the the uh, soldier who's being brought back who was captive for five years we mentioned that briefly right and I'm gonna just agglomerate that with something that has nothing to do with it which is the Snowden thing to say that we don't know what happened in all these cases. I mean, yeah, there's been a bunch of... How how accurate do you think any of these sources are? But in the worst case... That was just a rhetorical question. In the worst case, worst case, um, we still don't really know what happened. And again, worst case, you wait and find out before you condemn. Exactly. So this is a little bit sickening... The discussion of whether, for example, Snowden is a traitor or a hero, yeah, we all have our opinions. I don't even want to give mine. I don't care what yours is or what mine is or what anybody's is. But if he were to come back, I don't believe that he should immediately have his head shot up, chopped off. I mean, and the problem with a trial is how fair would it ever be? And I think that's really his problem, by the way, when he, yes. if he ever does come back is because it's too late. Now they can't just make him disappear. That would be a little uncomfortable for everybody. 
But um, in the case of the soldier, I, I don't keep these people's names in my head. I know what it is, but, you know, we don't need to. Everybody knows what I'm talking about. This guy, for whatever reason, just put yourself in his place. I'm a veteran, but I have never been in battle or anywhere near one. But, but you know, as I told, as I said then in the Ukrainian thing, uh, I just mentioned Jimmy Dore's take, which is, hey, he went to Afghanistan as a comedian to tell jokes, and he had a nervous breakdown practically. He said, if people are there fighting for their lives, you don't know what's going to happen. So let's cool it on the judgment. What do you well, think? You agree, right? I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, there's been a lot of conjecture, and there's – I understand we all have opinions. I'm, I'm a pretty damn opinionated person. I'm not, I'm not knocking people having opinions. Even uninformed ones. I mean, we're human <laughs> beings. Yeah. You can't always you can't always sit back. It's just it's an unreasonable expe- expectation for everybody to sit back and not say anything about any situations at all. Uh, I, that part I get. What I don't get, it's one thing to have opinions. It's another to have uh, real judgments. And there's a difference there. And hopefully, people can understand that there's a difference because. I'm hearing and seeing a lot of flat-out condemnation coming toward Bergdahl without most people knowing anything. You don't know really anything. I don't really know anything. And the people who try to tell you that they do are full of shit because they don't really know anything yet. He hasn't even talked to his family yet. Right. And his family family is being smeared. His father is being smeared, apparently. Yeah, because he grew a beard. beard. Bill O'Reilly and those shameful assholes at Fox News, at Fox News, smearing him because of a beard. He grew that beard because his son was being held captive. He grew that as a solidarity thing for all those years. And it's like just because a picture of him. He looks like, and Bill O'Reilly said flat out, he looks like a a Muslim terrorist because he has a long beard. Yeah, so does so do the Duck Dynasty guys. So do ZZ Top guys. <laughs> yeah, really. You can tell me ZZ Top, they're they're, they're terrorists. He grew it in solidarity with his son who was being held captive. And here's and an I, easy here's an easy thing, Jim. Here's a very easy thing. And if if anyone is listening, and I'm not, you know, we can't ever change anybody's minds. But here's the thing. It's hard to imagine what it's like to go to war if you haven't done it. You know, I mean, I can say, yeah, I I can kind of imagine. You can think what you imagine. But but we don't know. We have no, zero idea. Not even close, okay? No, no. So, um, but however, you can almost imagine, and many people who have children could imagine, what would you do for your kids if 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 they were in a prison for five years in an enemy territory? Would you go, well, you're a traitor, fuck you, you know? I mean, you are not, you... I just can't believe that people are doing this to, the, first of all, to the father and, and to the son. Wait and let's, I'm going to shut up now, but I just want to say, wait and see what happens. The guy is back, I guess, and he's not doing that great, but leave, leave, him, the lo- leave him alone, leave his family alone, and let's, you know, if we find out, okay, so he, if he had to go to jail, he has to go to jail. If that's the law, that's the law, even though I'm not sure I even like that part, because you send somebody there that's like a mental illness, how many of these guys come back? And well, let's not get started on the VA and all that. By the way, we owe these guys a huge debt, and if they break down, they break down. I mean, people yeah. have broken down for way less. Like my internet's down. I'm fucked up. Well, the, <laughs> yeah. the way I look at it is this: number one, all these people who are condemning he and his family. Yeah. If one of your kids, if one of your kids broke the law, 
stole a car, right. you know, got caught dealing drugs or something. Are you going to tell me you would turn your back on them when they had to go to jail? You wouldn't turn your back on them because they're your kid. Exactly. And you're, in, in the end, all be all, whether your kid is a good kid, a bad kid, they're still your kid. And, that, and, and you wouldn't turn your back on them. Whether he walked away, whether he broke, whether he made a horrific decision, whatever happened, which most of us have no idea yet, whether even even if we'll suppose even if he walked away from his unit, it's been demonstrated for years now he has suffered horribly at the hands of the Taliban. What more do you want from him? Well, the, I'll, I'll give you the, the more, what more can you do to him? Right? Has not if he, if he did. Well, the if, counter, but the counter argument, which I don't agree with, by the way, but I just have to say it. The counter argument is, well, he gave up his, he left his post, and you're never supposed to do that. By the way, a couple of people are chiming in on these, these you know, online things, going, "Well, I'm a veteran. You don't have any right to any opinion anyway, because you've never been in the, and I've been there, and I'm telling you, this is the way it is." But the fact is, this is the way it is for one person. In fact, I'll have a, I have a little story, very short, that. Um, I immediately reacted to, which was that my st- my um, my father-in-law was robbed, was mugged at a um, an ATM years ago, and he was stabbed because he fought back. He said, "Hey, no, hell no, I'm not going to give you my money." Well, that was a dumb decision because he went to the hospital. He could have been killed. He was injured. Uh, <laughs> they eventually caught the guy too, which is, I guess, rare. But anyway. You know, when that happened, it'd be nice to go, well, great, good for you. That's what I would have done. But you know what? I don't know what I would have done. I don't know what I would have done, okay? Yeah, exactly. And the point of that is very simple, that you, we don't, we didn't walk in this guy's shoes. We don't know no. his life story, what's going on in his mind. And so saying you know, and I'm saying even the guys who have been over there, and, you know, bless them, they're, that's great. We owe them a huge debt. Because they were sent over for no good reason, uh, you know, in peril. Right. We, we could go on for three or four hours on that one. But the point is, they did the they did the job. They signed up for a thing. They did it. Okay. But I have signed up. I signed up for a job at Universal Studios. The job, the dream job of a lot of people. And you know what? It sucked. And after two weeks, I quit. And they go, "Are you crazy?" The point being that you do not have the right to say. You can say, yeah, well, I would have done this. But if you haven't done it, then what do I care what you think you would have done? You know? A lot of people think they know a lot of things. And then we find out after the fact. Look at Richard Jewell. 1996, he was condemned in public as the Olympic bomber, the whole nine yards. Turns out he had nothing to do with it. That's right. But he, but he lost everything. He ended up living a life of complete misery. Uh, and many people, after the fact, still believed he had something to do with it. Because what happens is the initial reports become fact. Yep. And people quite often, that's that for that. It falls. Americans love to talk about um, freedom. Americans love to talk about rights. But what happens inevitably is once you're arrested, you're guilty. You're guilty. Perp the walk. Court, the, the court of, yeah, the perp walk. The court of public opinion inevitably is guilty. People love to talk a good game, but most of the time, nine times out of 10, if you're arrested, you must be guilty. And 
you know, if you're a subject of an investigation, even you mm-hmm. must be guilty. Richard Jewell, he was a subject of an investigation. He was a, a person of interest. I don't even remember that name, but now that you mention it, it does uh, ring a bell. And I know, but, I know the story you're talking about. Sure. And you know, and forevermore, for a lot of people, he was guilty. And Bergdahl, that won't matter. No matter what, if he's guilty, he's guilty. Well, hopefully people, I would like to think that people will forget about it, but what's going to, you know, I don't know what's going to happen, and I hope, you know. Anyway, um, that is probably part of the explanation of why reality shows are popular too, especially the really horrible ones that are, you know, about people who are atrocious. Yes. But they, I mean, they're not serial killers or anything, but they do just atrocious things. Um, and for some reason, we love that kind of thing. Anyway, good thing I said we weren't going to talk about that too long. But, okay. uh, yeah, it okay. absolutely doesn't matter. Um, by the way, let's throw, you know, let's get real non sequitur here. I discovered a new TV show called Black Box. Have you heard of it or did you watch it? I've Try heard it. of it. I've heard of it. And um, it's a nuts, it, crazy thing. I, yeah, the premise of it sounded uh interesting and weird which normally fits my thing i haven't tried it yet i'm gonna have to try it okay well here's here's the quick explanation of it it's it's a little like house in that it's in a hospital remember dr house right in a hospital um except that she's the heroine is a brilliant doctor who's bipolar which is the first treatment of that there's been a lot of flawed heroes on TV, by the way, like, for example, Sherlock Holmes, um, yes. the, uh, the guy on Hannibal, and, and all of these. There's a it's very common theme now. That's become my new favorite show, by the way. <laughs> Hannibal. Love well, that's one of those. Th- I would be yelling at the TV if I was still watching that because, I mean, it's so <laughs> obvious that he's dealing with Hannibal that I don't understand why he doesn't get it. But anyway. I know. I know. Anyway, it's entertainment. That's, that's, if it doesn't uh, work as entertainment, then, you know, it's got to. Anyway, Black Box, to, long story short, is it's worth a watch. But for one thing, I think that people should watch it if they like jazz. And if you don't like jazz, you might not like it because the entire soundtrack is kind of a beboppy jazz thing. But that's part of its originality, too. Uh, the other thing is, like House, it has this annoying, you know, this is entertainment. It's not supposed to be factual. But at the same time, every once in a while, I find myself going, yeah, well, you know, that's so far. And House was like that. I mean, sure. House would have been fired after three episodes, let alone, you know, 10 seasons or whatever it was, because the guy was incredibly horrible. I, try, I tried to like that show, and I just couldn't do well, it. Well, the and show like, was good. I it? like Hugh Laurie. I like him a lot. Yeah. I love his, his really old stuff with Stephen Fry is brilliant. Oh, they're, he, they're both brilliant, of course. No, but the show got irritating, but it had redeeming stuff. I mean, you had to get past that irritation, and I a lot of people couldn't, and... and Plus, when, once you start following a show like that, you're irritated, but you can't stand it. You have to, you can't help yourself. You still have right. to follow it. But right. yeah, I mean, it, it was it was very much absurd. But at the same time, it had some really topical uh, allusions in it, like um, social. It talked a little about about social media, and somebody was talking about how. In a small town, everybody knows what you're doing, and they were comparing that to people who are, you know, living on Twitter and stuff like that. Anyway, black box. Look at it. The um, heroine is not hard to look at. She's kind of an interesting character. Um, she has a very nice looking black boyfriend. For those of you who appreciate that kind of thing, and it's it's just it's very original actually because it's got the biracial thing. It's got it's edgy. I would call that edgy. Is that edgy today? No, not really. Uh. 
Well, it isn't. It isn't. I don't know. Are we past that? Well, no. Oh no. Well, uh, you and I are probably past it for years. But no, I don't think America in general is past it. Yeah, probably not. You say you're sadly you're probably. I'm afraid so. That that we're still at that that point. Well, few people would be shocked. I think very few people would be shocked by it. Some would be maybe offended. But the point is, it's still it's still at the point of newness. Okay. Right. It ain't Bill Cosby, or no, who was the first uh, biracial kiss? I already forgot. It's very famous. Oh, uh, oh Uhuru. Was, uh, Star Trek. Yeah. Uhuru and, uh, Uhuru and uh, James D. Kirk. Yes. But, of course, it had to be the, the white guy and the black yeah. woman. It couldn't be the other way around. Because right. Because the, the, oh they're God, coming for our women. Well, now we could exactly, we could we could really exactly. we could we could segue to a Blackenstein in the White House <laughs> like the re- Republicans, uh, but we won't because I, I, there was something else I want to talk about. Believe it or not, after all this time, and it was a funny thing about this thought I have because my wife has been traveling a lot lately. You've been married for over ten years, I think, right? Yeah, been almost twenty. Yeah, so we're talking. We're two old married guys. Yes. So the point is, you obviously fall into a not a routine or taking for granted. Hopefully, but there's this thing about being with someone. And by the way, this applies to pets or any loved. Probably, if you lived with your grandma, I mean, this is not to say it's only marriage, uh, but it is basically sentient beings of some kind, and it's a presence. So you know how older people. Uh, the stereotype of people who live alone have the TV on or the radio on or whatever. Um, it just is a constant mystery to me that, for example, right now I'm sitting here talking to you, um, but my wife could be upstairs in her office or she could be watching her tablet, watching videos or whatever. And I know it's identical for her. You have this feeling of a presence in the house. And again, this could be your dog or cat. Really, but it's this soul, it's this this soul, this presence. And I want to examine that for a second and try to understand what that means. Because right now, if you look at philosophy, Alan Watts, people like that, Buddhism, you've, you've mentioned that. Uh, what exactly is the difference between right now where there's nobody upstairs and the moment where my wife is upstairs? And yet I can feel that difference. She's not there. Do you you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're talking more than just a physical presence. You're talking more of in, in an esoteric, absolutely, kind of aura presence as well. It was funny because when you when you in a text before we came on, you you mentioned the subject because I really have no idea fully where you're going with this, which is that's the way we like it. Yeah, we don't we don't want to do scripted kind of things. So you kind of just bounced that off. Wait a minute, you didn't get the script? Damn, no, no, shit. no, no. If I sent I you a full script. script. <laughs> if I did it, it would be in crayon. Um, it was hard to explain, what, but I think you got it. Now. Yeah, because I was like, I was thinking to myself, is he talking kind of like Ghost? You know, Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore. I was kind of trying to filter into myself. Well, yeah, you know what, what though? It, what, what does he mean by well, this? Well, wait a minute, because that's interesting. I'm still, you a, little bit, I'm still a little bit well, you unsure. Me- okay, that's interesting you mentioned that. No, I wasn't actually literally going there, but at the same time, that movie, why did that movie resonate? Well, did that movie resonate with you at all, by the way? Because maybe it yes, didn't. I, it was affecting to me. I mean, I'm at, for my cynical, uh, <laughs> for my cynical shell inside, I'm actually quite the romantic and I'm quite the believer in, in love 
triumphing and good triumphing over not evil because I don't like evil, but good triumphing over the the less well intentions of of others possibly. So yeah, it was. I mean, there was parts of it that were a little bit hokey, sure. Mm-hmm. But I think that just I think that overall concept of of love and acceptance and and, and all that combined with you know not wanting to let go when you're in pain and you're suffering. You know, she was in complete pain. She was in suffering. She lost her soulmate. She lost the, the person who meant everything to her. And she didn't want to let go. And I can completely understand that. So it, it did resound with me quite a bit. By the way, I, I think Demi Moore, I don't know why everybody disses her. I think she's quite underrated, actually. I've seen her in several movies where she was excellent. She may have been in some horrible movies. I don't know. But she actually did a really good job in that, I thought. And I a couple other. That- yeah, that one and about last night and a couple of other movies. She was she started cashing it in later on. Yeah, but, but, but I thought in that I thought that she, I thought that, was that, cool. that was just it was an interesting movie because if you looked past some of the hokey stuff, it mm-hmm. really did go into that. And so that's what I was wondering about when you sent me that text before we came on. Is is this where he's going with it? And like I said, I'm not. I, I'm kind of like along with everybody else right now. I'm not completely sure you know where you were going well we don't we don't know anything about ghosts i'm not going to say there's ghosts my my wife i think believes it's hard to tell when people are serious even though i've known her for like 35 years i still i'm still not sure if she's a hundred percent literal on this Uh but um there's a lot of you know if if you want to go science it doesn't look like there's anything happening after we uh flatline you know so there's no real way to say anything. I mean, if if, if you if we had uh, Neil deGrasse Tyson with us, I think he'd explain that you know you start the atoms start to uh, you know rot or whatever, and then there's nothing left. But at the other on the other hand, there's a lot of things we don't know about, and I'm not saying that there's some magical thing, but there may be physics behind some. Okay, they call it a soul now, and scientists might laugh at that. But there, there may be something. But I, but I'm not. That was not what I was talking about. What I was talking about was more the mental aspect of it, which is the two parts. People, by the way, Six Feet Under also had a lot of that kind of thing. Yes. And did you watch that? Oh, we were mag- so you guys were fans. Huge fans. Of H- high quality TV. So Six yes, Feet Under. Well, of absolutely. course, the premise, and that was maybe one of the first that had the father, the the the. Um, the hallu- not a hallucination really, but kind of the the discourse between the father and yes. the um, and the son, and that became kind of common after a while. There were a couple of shows that had that, but anyway, that was one of the first of those. And you could take that as be going, you know, I mean, that's the way you should take it, probably, is that it went that was going on in the guy's mind. And that's another good point. Um, Anyway, one of the things I wanted to mention was that now that uh, we're apart, not you and me, my wife and, my, and me, uh, you know, we've got smartphones, so I can kind of look up where she is. She and I communicate via SMS or whatever. So that's a whole other aspect of it. But you still have a physical presence that you're feeling. And I'm not, again, not ghosts, not uh, Ghost, the movie, but, you know, not with the kiln and the uh, turning what do you call it? <laughs> <laughs> the, making the pottery yeah making the, the pottery, pottery that was awesome. very cool but anyway uh now what i'm talking about is just this this impression that you have in your mind and the difference between when the person is there and not there and yeah one of the things i was going to because i can't help thinking about it once in a while is the six feet under thing where that's no longer the case, but you have this presence. You won't have that presence 
probably. So now it's all in your mind. In other words, unless you believe in ghosts, that part is over. So now the person is gone, that presence is gone. And by the way, again, this is true of animals too. And now we've both lost pets. And do you, did you ever find yourself, for example, going, uh, I don't know what the names of your cat was or anything, but didn't you ever think maybe recent, not too long after the cat died that, you know, you, you thought of it and thought, oh, you know, you didn't feel, have that feeling that it was around or that it needed to be fed or whatever. That happens, doesn't it, with animals? Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah, because we lost uh, Simon at the beginning of March. and He was 19 years old. We had him from the time he was seven, eight weeks old. And so he followed us through all our moves all around the United States and all different places we lived. Uh, and he, he was the, the big presence in the house because he was the daddy cat and he was the long-term cat. And it was, he just had that aura of him. You always knew where he was in the house. And uh, it was really, it's been a really weird adjustment. I mean, it's been a little over three months or so since then. And uh, it's still, it's still kind of like the other animals are kind of like, nobody's filled the void. We have four cats and, and two dogs. Nobody has filled that void. The cats especially have not filled that void that he left behind. And so it's been very interesting because also the last couple of years, he had a lot more needs being older mm. and he was pretty loud about having those needs at times. So we we're as a matter of fact, uh, my wife and I, a couple of weeks ago, were talking that the house has been much, much quieter since Simon passed sound wise, but also needs wise. Cause we hadn't realized how much of the time that we were home was devoted to taking care of him, to mm-hmm. giving him medications, to doing this and that. So now that he's not around, it's like it's it's finding ways suddenly to fill that void of all the time that we did. And yet there are still times when I still feel like he's still here. Like I, there are occasionally times when I'm putting all the bowls together for the four remaining cats. Once in a while, I'll find myself making a fifth bowl. It's like, mm-hmm. but oh, OK, I don't need to be doing this anymore. So his presence you know, is, hasn't left. And I think that happens with, with people too. I mean, when you lose a family member and, you know, you're all coming to grips with, of how, you know, to continue on. And it it doesn't even have to be about losing somebody. It could be like my wife left 15 minutes ago to go teach her Sunday morning yoga class. And no matter where she is, she's always here with me, you know, no matter what I could be here, I could be at work. Uh, There are times like I'll go to Syracuse, New York and visit some friends for a weekend and she doesn't come and she's still there with me. And, and I don't mean just in, okay, we, you know, Skyping or using Google hangout from the hotel room or something, but it's inescapable. I think that when you have like, say that, like a partner, whether it's your wife, your husband, your partner, whatever, that somebody who means so much to you that they still are present all the time. Yeah, that's it. Um, and before this era, you're old enough to remember you know, what it was like before. You're on the road or you're doing something else and you're apart. And um, we had that before, but it was different because now you have the reassurance, I guess, would be one way to look at it. Because otherwise you're always wondering, you know, whether the person got there okay. Like, you know, my, my wife is in the last uh, year or so, she's been traveling a lot. And a lot of it's air travel. 
um, and lots of different situations. For today, you know, there's a st- train strike, and uh, the, that train strike was on last week, and so her train got can- one of her trains got canceled, and that's all irritating and adds to the stress of traveling, but. The point is that we were in constant contact, and, and she knows. Plus, we, you know, the way we, the way it works here, and the way we have unlimited everything. Uh, right. We can call each other. You know, I talk about ten minutes on the phone every year, but that, and the nine that, of that's, them. That's a lot for me. And nine of them is to hurt with her. Um, but anyway, point is that in most situations, we were able to to talk every day when she was in Tokyo and I was here. For example, we have ways of doing that. But even most of the time. Um, at this point, you know, I can actually call her on the phone if I have to. Even a normal phone, our service includes so many different countries and destinations that unless she goes to some extremely weird place, I think we can even call most of Chinese numbers are included in our plan, our monthly plan. And that's true of mobile as well. So, I mean, there's no excuse there, plus all the text, the same thing. Um, so the point is that we're totally in touch now, and it's that alleviates any wonder, any any worry and you know wondering what's going on. But the point is still the same, which is that you're in a room someplace doing something and where the other person might be somewhere else in the house and they're not for whatever reason. Traveling, they passed away. You know, it there's this feeling. And so that feeling so getting back to the the idea of ghosts and so on, that's it's it's actually quite natural that that feeling and that may certainly, likely, is all there is, is a feeling. So you're always, you know, the person is always with you. And and theoretically, unless you, you get a horrible divorce right before, uh, you know, that goes on as long as you live, almost. Um, it's why a lot of times in fiction, I can't conceive of this, but if you lose somebody and then the remarrying thing after love, not after divorce, but after love, right. uh, widowhood, and then... That is actually a little hard to to uh, to grok for me because it it just seems like you know wh- how long would that take and when so you know that that's kind of where I'm at now I'm just thinking about that for no re- particular reason that that feeling that you have and 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 in the case of uh, so-called ghost and all the fiction all the movies where you see the people you know forever young is another example of that it seems to me that there was a that was a story of somebody who disappeared and you know the ghost came back and was watching somebody fall in love and all you know but that's in your mind that's in the person's mind who's still alive because that mind is still alive it's interesting that you brought that entire topic up because my wife and I have had this discussion for years. My wife's grandmother on her mother's side was married forever, I don't know, 40-something, 50-something years, whatever, to the same gentleman. He passed away and she was like, that's it. You know, I have no desire to remarry or anything. He was it and that's it. And that's how she lived her life the rest of her 20 or 20 years or something mm-hmm. like that. She worked until she was like, around 80 at the same department store forever. She liked it. She loved Mm -hmm. it. She worked at the same department store forever. And then she lived out after that. She would go out dancing and she would do things, but that was it. That was just the the one man. And that was it for her. Her daughter, my mother-in-law, same thing, married to the same man for 40 something years. He passed away suddenly four years ago. And that's, that's it for her. And, you know, that's, there, there's, it's just unquestioned that, you know, that'll be it for her. And my wife has said for many years that 
that's going to be it for her, that I'm it for her that way. And which, number one, it's extremely limiting for my wife. <laughs> um, but I have told her repeatedly, it's like, I would never want that for you. I mean, she's eight years younger than me. So she's in her early 40s, early pushing mid 40s now. And I've told her repeatedly, it's like, if something happened to me right now, you know, if I get dropped dead right now or got hit by a car, whatever, you have far too much of your life still to live. I wouldn't want you to, it would make me feel bad if you didn't accept somebody else into your life at some point in time. I'm not saying, you know, three days after, you know, <laughs> I'm in throwing in the oven. 10 you know, minutes. At least, at least wait four or five days after I go into the oven to start <laughs> dating again. Um, but I would want her to, you know, I would want her because I, I, you know, it's. I think we all feel that way. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I'm sure that there, no, there's not there. I know people who would be like really pissed off if they're, if they dropped dead and their, you know, significant other, you know, hooked up again with somebody after that. And, and I'm just, I'm not of that mindset. I really truly believe that especially, I and mean, it's one thing, I suppose, if you're in your seventies or eighties, I guess, but if you're young, if you're in your, your t- 30s or 40s or 50s, you still have, you know, a lot to offer in that. Not that you can't in your 70s and 80s, of course, but the, the issues are a little bit different. Well, you know, because I think that's important to note that as you get up into whatever age, there's a point where you've lived with somebody so long, it would be really, really hard to adapt or to even hope to look for another mate right to put it kind of in simple uh terms wake up time to, go uh, to work <laughs> oh my god sorry about that no uh, it's that was my life. that was my that was my phone hitting full yes full charge I, I okay I, I no, agree. it's it's They're a little very... different. Yeah, you know, you're right. I mean, if somebody's forty, fifty, it isn't the exact number of years you've lived, no. but it's also true that no matter how young you are, if it, if if it's true love and you've lived for like three decades together, again, it would be just as hard. But it's certainly harder if you're uh, even at my age. It it would be hard for me to conceive of getting used to, if nothing else, just the even the superficial habits. And also, uh, it'd probably take me 10 years to get used to the, the idea of trying to, you know, not be myself in front of somebody to attract them. <laughs> well, it's funny because uh, <laughs> I, I just all of a sudden it was dawning on me, duh. It's like my mom, who's 71, she just got remarried again two weeks ago. Huh. Two weeks ago, I think, yeah. So, I mean, I'm not, you know, and, you know, hey, She's happy, so you know if she's happy, I'm happy. You know that's you know, that's all I can say about that. You know, as long sure. as long as she's happy and as long as he's good for her, then hey, well, whatever. You know, but, yeah. Well, you know, the other the other so thing, I'm not dismissing. I didn't mean to dismiss earlier that people in their 70s and 80s can't move forward in their lives or shouldn't. Even more importantly, that they shouldn't, because that, that's not what I was meaning at all. I just think that a lot of times it's. My my bigger thing was is somebody who's younger. Say my my wife's statement that nope, you're it, and I don't want to ever. Don't you shouldn't. Number one, I'm not a believer in saying never because you you never can say never. You you don't know what's going to happen ahead in your life, and and I think that it becomes very limiting if you say if you arbitrarily. She said this since she was in her late twenties or early thirties with me. It's like, don't be that limiting because if something ever happened, you, you can't rule out and you shouldn't rule out the possibility that love can come along again in some sh- shape or form and lead you to, a, you can have a fulfilling life without a relationship. 
I don't, I'm not necessarily a believer that it's as fulfilling as having a relationship, having been somebody who's been both, who's been in and who's spent some adult years without. Um, but I, I, I just, I don't, I, I've told my wife over and over again, please, if something happens to me, live your life. So you gave her permission anyway. That's, I mean, I've had the same discussion. Not believe, that she needs me. it. Not that she no, needs it. No, of course it, not. Of but course she not. should emotionally have that. I, I feel like she should emotionally have that so that if something did happen to me, she could look back and say, well, you know what? Jim would not be upset for, with me for moving on with my life. Right. I, I think that I think that as somebody who loves her, I should be able to, she should know that and she should get that from me that it's okay. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, so of course. I think that um, if the person who survives the other person, okay, so you're going along for us, you're going to be sad for a certain amount of time, maybe even years. But at the same time, you don't know what's going to come around the corner. So you never know, just as if you had never loved or been in a deep relationship and you're whatever age you are, it's, it's never too late, by the way. And that's something, maybe that's... You know, the main thing that should come out of this, all this blathering that I'm doing, is that it, it really, there is no point where you can't suddenly find something or s- someone, of course, but also something, if it's, a, if it's a pet, who completes you. And I think that's one of the reasons that people push so hard for older people to have pets. Yes. Uh, first of all, I'm going to be really mean and say they might even survive you, so you don't have to go through the pain of them dying because you die first. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Uh, There's a lot of truth. You, all kidding aside, my wife works at an animal hospital. Yeah. You'd be surprised how often that happens. And all of a sudden, these pets, they got to find homes for pets because the clients have right. passed away and or have become so infirmed that they right. have to be put into a home and suddenly – these pets. But yeah, I, I think there's a lot of truth to what you just said. But anyway, I think the other bottom, the real bottom line of all of this is that if you don't have a relationship with something sentient, and I don't know, I don't consider plants sentient. Uh, we eat no. plants and so do you. So <laughs> the, the point being, you know, dog, cat, tarantula, uh, whatever it is, rodents, whatever you like, uh, human beings, Great. But I mean, if you don't have a relationship with something that's alive, so that's really the nature of my philosophical rumination here is this idea of something alive. Plants are alive, but they're not really sentient. Uh, They depend on you for life. Of course, they don't thank you or wag a tail or, you know, scratch you. But (laughs) so, you know, they're they're not really reactive. Uh, There's just something about a creature, a living, breathing, usually mammalian, but maybe not necessarily creature, because people keep uh, reptiles and snakes and uh, turtles and hamsters. And uh, as I said, even tarantulas are supposed to supposedly make good pets. They're scary as hell to look not, at. Not in my house. Hell well, they, apparently they're very, they're very cool, actually. Well, I think also it's like that's why bars are so popular. I mean, let's be honest. If everybody was in wonderful, loving relationships, if everybody was in good, strong marriages, there'd be no if everybody, if everybody was living with significant others outside of marriage, but very happy and all that stuff, there would be little reason quite often to have bars. Bars exist by and large. And I was a bartender for many years. And I also sat on bar stools long enough to know of what I speak. Mm-hmm. Bars exist by and large as a gathering place for people who aren't in relationships yeah. 
or, or are in failed or failing relationships. Uh, and that, and I'm not, not talking about, you know, I know that some people out there are going to say, well, I can give you an example. You know, my husband and I go out on Friday night and dancing, or we go on Saturday night to hang out with some friends and watch a local band. I'm not negating that. There is truth to that. But the fact of the matter is, is bars as we know them would not exist economically on a day-to-day basis if it was only for people who are in good relationships. I spent more than my share of quality time in bars in between my previous relationship and my my marriage now. And I was in there five, six, seven days a week because I didn't want to go home and face the fact that suddenly after 10 years, I was alone again. That's and an interesting I, point, actually, which is that it's more that you had somebody and don't anymore, or yes. I'm afraid to say that in many cases don't want to go home to meet to see that person. Oh, that your plenty case, times. But, uh, that's the classic. Uh, obviously, bars. You know, if you're in an airport or something, you, let's not include that because that's all. You know, when you're traveling and stuff, bar okay. Sports bars in the hotel or you know whatever that all has its place. It's true that your local places that people go into to have drinks, especially if they're regulars, yes. the Cheers kind of thing. That's the place I worked at. Uh, it's and a went, little drank unf- it forever. Yeah, it's a little. It's a little sad. I mean, hey, if that if that works for you, fine, fine. I, I'm certainly not going to put anybody down. But I always feel a little saddened by that concept. If it works, if it really works and you make friends and stuff, because I, I don't really believe the cheers thing was very realistic where people were just so, you know, into each other and all of that. But, hey, if that's if that's true, fine. More power. There to was them. at my bar because it's in a small town. There was some elements of that. Absolutely. That, you know, I'm not you know trying to make it all seem like it was, you know, just this terrible thing because it wasn't. There was mm-hmm. a lot of very wonderful people that I made uh, wonderful friends with. I met my wife there. Oh, well, I mean, you should really, have said that I mean, right away. I, I met well. I met her. I, okay, I won't go into everything, but <laughs> I was working at a previous business in that same town when I met her a couple of times, fleeting as a customer. Had no wow. idea really her who she was. She, you know, at that time she was just coming out of teenage years, and I knew her mother a little bit because of that business, but I didn't actually know her until several years later at the bar. And there was plenty of times my wife and I went on a Friday night or Saturday night down to the bar, you know, to hang out and and so forth. But by and large, many nights of the week, I mean, I used to, I would bartend on a Monday night or Tuesday night. And yes, there was people who'd come down to watch Monday night football or they'd come down to watch a Yankee or Red Sox game or something like that. And yes, you know, there would be a lot of fun. I'm not saying it wasn't fun, but inevitably on those nights, the vast majority of my customers were single mm-hmm. and no place the, to go. Exactly. And as the years went on, what was telling was as the years went on, this one would hook up with somebody and then you wouldn't see him as much. That one would hook up with somebody and you wouldn't see him as much. This one would get married to that one. And then all of a sudden you wouldn't see them as much. You might see them on an occasional Friday night or a Saturday night here or there, but you certainly didn't see them anymore during the week. So what's that tell you? I mean, what's that tell you? It's like they found something in their personal life right. that fulfilled them, and they no longer needed that pull of coming down to the local watering hole any longer. And that's kind of why I stick to my assertion that 
bars by and large could not economically exist if everybody was happy in their relationships. It just wouldn't. Yeah, I think that's true. So, I think it's true. But, you know, I, I don't want any of my friends or family to think that, you know, I'm I'm knocking the entire experience, but it's true. And, and so there. It so. replaces. Yeah. Yeah. It's the social thing. Because when you're young, you go to school. And after you go to school, you're you may have a job that's more social than actual work, like a fry cook at McDonald's or something. So um, you you know when you when you're ye- very young adult, you're working at some possibly at some menial job, or you're an intern, something be heavily intellectual thing, whatever. But you're still maybe going to meet somebody. But as you get older, uh, the problem with that is say from i don't know what 30 on or whatever you're in a job and if you're unless you're in some huge company that has unlimited uh potential mates you've already know you know betty and sales and that's not going to happen anymore you're all friends and hopefully having a good time um you know i i was a musician for years in bars so i wasn't a bartender but i saw exactly the same scene you did and so you saw plus we had people just like people come and talk to the bartender people came and talked to the band Sure, and and I mean by that I mean between songs, I'm not between between sets. You would be having a drink at the bar, and somebody would come up, and if you were really lucky, it'd be a decent looking woman. <laughs> <laughs> but that was extremely rare; probably happened once or twice in my entire career. Otherwise, it would be kind of the half drunk guy that you know you had very little to say, but you had to socialize, and I got a lot of that. Um, and sometimes couples, you know, who were really nice and they would talk to the band and stuff, come up and go, hey, what's up? And so, yeah, it's a, so it's a heavily social thing. And that's ironic, too, I've thought many times, that it has to be associated. Well, there's two things. It's either the alcohol thing or church. That's the other place where you go. Because when I was uh, a single adult... I rack my brain. Where am I going to go? Because I didn't, I didn't want to hang out in bars. I really didn't because I had worked in bars, but I didn't feel there was a potential of meeting anybody interesting. Um, plus, you move around and, you know, you're, it's not a small town. Los Angeles, for example, isn't a small town. You'd have to figure out what, where to go and it would be kind of hard. Uh, and I thought, well, you know, library. But then library, you're not going to meet anybody in a library because you <laughs> can't talk. So I couldn't think parks. Um, and I didn't have a dog because obviously dog owners know this very well. And it's been shown in fiction many times too. You go to the dog park, you're single, you got your dog, you go to the dog park. And then you got, if you're a man and you're looking for a woman, you got the, you know, the woman with the dogs and that all works out. Whatever you're looking for, that person has dogs, man or woman, and the dogs will do the work for you. Well, you know, if you look at a lot, you know, these Hollywood cheesy movies where for a man, okay, you know, the quickest way to get a woman is get a dog or yeah. go to the laundromat. Go to the laundromat and pretend you don't know what you're doing. I mean, that's <laughs> yeah, like that's you know, the, the old the old stereotype. Okay, you'll get the cute little dog. And so the woman sees, oh, you're nurturing and loving side. Or you yeah. go to the laundromat and, you know, and start mixing whites with colors and, <laughs> and, and the mothering, mothering instinct kicks in and all oh, the, you know, the women have to come over to help you. And it's like, uh, I'm sure there are some truths in all of that. It's incredibly sexist at the same time, but. No, because uh, it works for it's, both. It's amusing. It's amusing, though. Well, it kind of works yeah. for both, though. I mean, I could picture a sitcom where a woman is giving another woman advice. You know, get a dog and go to the dog park. You want a man? Yeah, yeah. I still, I don't think that Hollywood would write that scene. I think Hollywood still will. Write Are you kidding? You know, I was watching. 
You know, there's a show called Growing Up Fisher that uh, apparently has already canceled. Yeah, already been canceled. And and I think we've talked about it briefly before. So we both yes. like the actor. Yes. Uh, I I've always been in love with uh, Dharma, but uh, Jenna Elfman. Yeah, but Jenna Elfman, but she's yeah. had like about six in the comedies I've seen her in, including that one. She doesn't have a very good role. I really don't like her part. I don't like the writing that they're doing for it. She seems to be... I don't either. She's capable of a lot more. And the president thing, whatever that was when she was in the White House, that was the worst ever. Yes. I can't forgive her for that, but that's not her fault. But she she's was, taking paychecks. She now. was really... Yeah. But she was really good in damages uh, as a serious thing. She was... Uh, it was a tragic... De- I think she killed herself in it. But she was doing it. She's a terrific actress, and she's very funny in comedy, and yet... Uh, in that thing, anyway, where were we going with that? And I think she—I don't think she does well. Um, so Dharma, uh, Jenna's uh, sister is visiting in the last episode I watched, maybe even the last one of the series. And her sister's going, get those boobs out, you know, wear a dress that shows your tits, and go to the. Bu- let's go. Actually, she said, let's show our breasts and go out to the bar or something. I mean, yeah, women do talk like that. First of all, and second of all. And by the way, we can include gay people in this. It's the same. We're all looking for the same thing. We may not be looking for the same sex, but everyone wants this companionship and maybe sex. I don't know. But I have a feeling that the deeper need is for companionship, especially as you I get older. So, I think so, Nian, because once you get past the early stage of, of you know the raw emotions and yeah. the raw sexuality involved in a new relationship, you have to – if it's going to be successful at all, you have to have a lot more than that mm-hmm. because all of that you know, is going to – by nature is going to slow down anyways. So you have to have something to talk about the rest of the day you yeah. know? And, and, and you have to have something to care about more. I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to be flip anymore on that. Um, you, have to, you have to really care. If it's going to be successful, it has to be about a whole lot more than the bedroom. And I think that, frankly, I think that's a lot of times where people get disappointed or people get uh, – they start looking at other places because they have an unnatural um, expectation that whatever emotions are entwined in the early stages, mm-hmm. not just sexual but just everything, you know how it's all raw at the beginning of a relationship, that it's always going to be that intensity and that it always is going to stay there. And when it doesn't, and I've had many friends who have been like this, once it gets, it, it evolves past that stage, they're gone. That's it. They, you know, they're, they're in search of the next one and yeah. they're in search of the next one after that. And all of a sudden, before you know it, they're 40 something years old and they're just bouncing from a relationship to a relationship because either because they're afraid or because they're pissed that, you know, that every night isn't, you know, four hours of mad sex and all that stuff. I couldn't agree more. And if there's anybody under like 43 listening to this ever, um, here's a here's a little bit of wisdom that I've picked up, which is it's so unrealistic to, th- you know, when you're first infatuated. And I mean, I've I've been around for decades and I've been, I have been infatuated before I got married. I've been infatuated many, many times. And what that when I say infatuated, I mean where you're just like drunk, where you you cannot, there is no one else that will ever be this exciting and you would do anything to do. And by the way, you do a lot of silly stuff yes. because you, you don't see yourself. It's like being drunk. You don't see what you're doing. You don't see yourself. You can make a fool of yourself. And if you're lucky, the person won't take advantage of that. If you're unlucky... 
you're probably going to end up in a really bad divorce if you ever get married, or you'll have a big disappointment. The point is, anyway, that until you get beyond the drunkenness of infatuation, you'll never know who that person really is. Because just like when you're drunk, you don't know how to drive and how to operate heavy machines and so on. You know, you really, your body is running on some kind of weird uh, energy where you want to hit that, I guess is the best, <laughs> quickest way to say it. But, you know, you also, you're, you, it's an illusion to think that I want to spend the rest of my life with this person because the fact is after you've experienced the intimacy that we're talking, the physical intimacy a certain number of times, it is never, I mean, in order for that to be maintained over decades, I don't think the drug has been invented yet. You'd have to be like, What's the name of that? There's a movie that's like where the guy wakes up every day and it's he can't remember. That would work, okay? That's the only way you could maintain it is if well, you like woke up every day. No, 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 no. It's but it's it's the guy wakes up every day and he can't remember anything. It isn't Groundhog Day, but that, that's a that's actually a pretty good movie, but it isn't that. Okay. This some something where he has no memory of so he is in love every day as much as he was the first second. It's probably some Jim Carrey movie or something. I don't know. In, in a perfect world, that's how it would be. And, That'd and, be great. That'd be great. I think as you get older, you have to temper all of that with reality. I mean, and it's at some point in time, it's like there are people who I've known and friends who I've known who I, I just want to ask them, what is it exactly you're looking for? I mean, what are your expectations that are, that you're on this endless pursuit of, do you even know what you're really pursuing other than just getting laid? I mean, shit, that's easy. You want to, if you're just looking to get laid, that's, that's the, it can be arranged. Easy. That it can be arranged if you want to pay for it or if, or, you know, if you want to go. Oh, there will always be somebody most, yeah. for most people, there will always be some chance to do that, but and that's it, generally you know, not. If you're just looking to get laid. Then to me, that's like, really? Well, what are you going to do like later in life when don't you want to have somebody you can talk to and somebody that you can, like have coffee, like my wife and I this morning, I made us both coffees and we we're sitting around the table for a little while before she was getting ready to go to teach yoga. And you're just shooting a breeze about a few things, some serious things, some not so serious things. And all I kept thinking about it at one point was like, I'm really blessed that I'm sitting across from the table with her right now. But that's because you're, that's because the person that you married who wasn't originally your best friend is your best friend. And right. this is somebody, I mean, I've heard a lot of interesting definitions from friends of mine. And one of the good ones was, this is somebody who's always in your corner, who always, always has your back. Yes. And this, this goes back, we should probably uh, end up here, but this goes all the way back to your parents as well. And the, the idea that uh, we mentioned the guy's father, Bergdahl's father, someone who always has your back. Your parents always have your back, theoretically anyway. Yes. And then when we grow up, your kids have your back when you're, if you have children and you get, you know, you're 95 years old and need diapers and stuff. Uh, well, unfortunately, so, yeah, that's not always the case. So. I don't want to. So. Yeah, it would be nice anyway. The, but that's the ideal world. But but the point is, when you marry somebody, and this is why, by the way, some of the horrible divorces that people go through, where they're arguing about the dog and the kids and all that, this is where it's hard to get that because you're supposed to be teamed up with someone who has your back. So if right. you decide, and I know, I know a couple of couples who have who have this exact relationship, who have divorced. But you know what? It wasn't dirty. It wasn't messy. It was 100% respect. But I guess that's fairly rare. But they just didn't jump on 
the horrible things, whether it was money, children, pets, possessions, houses, none of that matters. You, it would be horrible. But again, that's part of the judgment, too. You, you have to make a judgment on who this person is that you're talking to and that you're looking at. And if this is somebody who's beautiful and maybe has <laughs> powers in bed or something that, that have drawn you into that's not going to last for 40 years. It's not going to last for 20. It's not going to last for 10. No. It might even not last for one. No. So, I mean, most of, yeah. I mean, that, that, to me, that's, that's not a foundation for a relationship. That's that to me, it's just even, not, but not only sex, but even just having fun is right, not enough. Exactly. It's right, got to exactly. be deeper. It's got to be something where you discover and you fall into this fall in, you grow into this relationship. Um, and, and it's funny because comparing it to parents, again, they didn't really grow in. They had kids and unfortunately not all parents are equal. So they don't all invest but here's the thing, you know how you can't pick your family? So your parents have kids. They may or may not be invested in you, and the kids may not be that loving to the parents. But when you're associating voluntarily with a person as a partnership for life, you are my life partner. You know what I mean? You, that means that no matter what happens, you're there for me. I'm there for you. And that brings me back to the original thing about once you die. You know, once one, somebody dies. So it is our fervent hope that we pass away at the same time together. And I'm sure every couple, loving couple probably says the same thing to each other. Oh, absolutely. You, you know, when that car crashes, you both want to be in it together at the same time. Well, I'd be more but, Woody Allen about it. I don't, I'm not afraid of dying. I just don't want to be there when it happens. Exactly. You know, it's, it, I don't know. I, it's so hard. I mean, it really is because it's like, I never would want my wife to be left behind with, the, say, the suffering. You know, right. say if we were much, much, much older. I'm not talking about now. She's young enough to, yes, it would be tragic. And, yes, her life would be changed for good. And, yes, she would be devastated. There's no doubt about it. No doubt about it at all. But it's vastly different for her in her 40s when she has, you know, good income from a job, now jobs, multiple jobs. Mm -hmm. Um, she would be able to get by. She has a support system of her family and so forth. Her mom's still around. So she could get by. I'm not, you know, it would be very painful, but she would do it. Very different story if I'm, you know, 90 and she's 82 and I pass and she's 82 and her mom is long since gone. Who knows if her siblings are still around. Yeah, we that's have, that's we, another. We don't, we don't have kids either. That, that's so. I was going to say that the important element too is that if you don't procreate, if you don't have children, yeah, we don't have kids. Then so. once you're an orphan, which I am, um, and my wife is, you know, now it's what it's uh, siblings of which, uh, yeah, just in from from everyone I've ever met in my life, about half of the siblings should be probably put to death. You want nothing to do with them. <laughs> So, you know, there's a couple of people who care about you and um, they have their own problems in general. If they're similar, you know, if they're within seven or eight years of your age, they're, if you're 90, they're probably 82 anyway. So, so, you you better know, hope, so you better hope for a really loving nurse at the nursing home to, yeah, to, so to that, change that's your depends and that, stuff that, like that's that. A, that's a tough yeah. one. That's yeah, a tough but, one. you know, you do, you do the best you can. And 
It's well, what an esoteric hour here. I, well, I wanted to get this out, and I hope uh, <laughs> it's been wandering, quite wandering around. But um, yeah. I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it with you. So I guess we try to end on a lighter note by evoking either podcast. I already said my TV show. Uh, I, I really regret that there's not more comedies coming out. The ones that come out are often I find them wanting, if I may say. Yes. So I'm really yes. sorry. Fisher, I thought Fisher could have been, was really promising in that, the potential. It wasn't it the, the greatest thing I've ever seen. No. But uh, he's, ter- that guy's terrific. He's done, done a lot of different roles and he's really good. Sorry to see that go. It's totally canceled or going to be, yes, we it, think. No, it's already canceled. It's yeah. already gone. It's what dead. What a shame. And, what a it shame. Really is, it really is. I think that it had potential. The, the main part was that the, the father and his son had wonderful chemistry. There was, there was a great rapport between them. The daughter thing was just a waste. It was yeah. Just, it was a, that was a throwaway. You and I could have written for the show right. for what we wrote for totally, her. Totally, totally, totally. Um, and Jenna Hoffman, meh. But you know what? There's a show coming back now. Season two of Rectify comes back this oh, week. Oh, yeah. That's not a comedy exactly. Uh, but no, I'm, no. It's but not it's a comedy good. at all. Yeah. But I'll tell you what. <laughs> it's not. But it is a slow, drawn-out show. that it, It's exquisite. Well, and, speaking of judgment, we, we, we've talked about quick judgments of people. That show is really basically about that. Yes, it is. About, you know, he, he's been released from jail for a crime that it doesn't look like he committed. But yeah, they yeah, leave it open f- that he may have committed. But this small southern town and, you know, he's come back into the community. And the writing is, and the writing and the direction and the acting, the, the atmosphere that they yeah. created for the entire thing. I think it's wonderful. And I'm really excited for season two to come. When back. is that coming out? Back. It's coming out uh, July, June, June 16th, I think, oh, which is great. This, this coming week. I think like Tuesday or Wednesday, it's coming back on. If you have IFC on your cable or satellite or whatever, uh, rectify. Or if you do it on video on demand, do it on video. It's one of those shows that it reaffirms that there is still good quality programming out there, that not everything is just mindless bullshit. So that, I'm looking forward to that. That's a good um, show. And there's a bunch of shows starting, uh, including one with Halle Berry about the outer space, the astronaut. That looks interesting. She's out in space for 13 months, and she comes back to Earth, and she's pregnant. And she right. was by herself. And she was by herself. So how is she pregnant after 13 months in space? Right. That's, Must be the aliens. Some, yes. Ugh, um, another, another one with stomach opening up and... <laughs> a little little alien pulling a wheelie going along the belly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, she still looks good too, so that'll be yeah, interesting to see what happens. There, there are actually there's a I saw an article the other day. I wish I had the link right now, and it had the list of the summer shows that are coming because in the old days summers were completely about reruns. Yeah. Now they've discovered that people don't want to watch reruns in the summer. They still will watch first run TV shows if they're good. And it was probably about five or six that looked pretty darn decent. Oh, there's there's a whole crop of shows coming out in June, July. I'll give you a tip, not you particularly, but everybody, uh, which is to go to TV.com because it's not easy to forget. TV.com. And they probably have on the very front page, they probably have a thing you can click uh, that that tells you the most uh, the most uh, anticipated TV shows for the for the month or whatever, uh, and and that by and large, by the way, the criticisms, the critical writing on TV.com, it seems like a schlock site if you take a quick look at it, but in yeah. fact, it's excellent. It really is good. They have several really good writers, staff writers, and sometimes they let people who are just fans write reviews. 
And almost, I have never seen a review that was horrible. I mean, just not readable, not good, not well written. And occasionally, in fact, many times the reviews are better than the shows themselves. I mean, there's the to review a particular episode, and I look at it and I go, "That was more entertaining than the episode." Even on a good show, you know, it's a. a, I have it up right now, but uh, another good site. It's it's a British site, but it actually deals with a lot of American stuff. And it's digitalspy.com. Uh-huh. Digitalspy.com. And you can pull up the latest. It's uh, TV, movies, music, tech. They have a lot of reviews in there. They have um, a lot of what's going to be coming up in TV and movies and music as well. And uh, that's a good site. And AV Club. AV Club has a lot of reviews. If, if you're look, looking to either to catch up or if you want to discuss TV shows or stuff. My wife goes crazy on that stuff. Oh, by yeah? the way. She's just like, what the hell? She can't. She's like, why? It's a TV show. Why do you need to discuss it? Why do you need to read about discussing it? Why do you need to do I, that on Twitter? I agree. <laughs> I agree with. Well, I, I agree with the with her saying. I understand that totally. And yet, I find myself getting into the discussions occasionally on TV <laughs> on TV dot com, uh, especially when um, like there was one case where we were watching a TV and, and we go, well, that's weird. Uh, the guy did this and blah blah blah. I think it was on um, House of Cards. And uh, the guy handed, there was one of the people came to see somebody and he handed her his coat and the coat was on the chair and it made no sense at all. So I was looking at it and somebody explained the scene. They go, well, here's, that was weird. And somebody else says, no, here's what happened. And it was true. Now, have you ever gone to AV Club? No, but I wrote it down to go. Go to avclub.com and when you on the homepage, like I'm on it right now and it's mostly TV, but they also have about gaming and things. Mm-hmm. But they have they have each week's uh, like a synopsis for a lot of different shows, and they have a grade like this week's Orphan Black. They have it as an A minus. If you click on it, they'll they'll be a whole write up on the latest episode and why they graded it uh-huh. the way they graded it. And they do new shows and some classic shows and so forth. And they have a lot of people, tons of people joining in the threads for it. So if you like that, I like that stuff. You know what? I read a lot of serious stuff, you know, books and, and, and articles and magazines. Sometimes I just want to be mindless. I want to read about a TV yeah. show. I don't get so caught up in it that I get like mad, but it's fun to read about it anyway. Well, I think sometimes, but, sometimes people say interesting things about it. I know it sounds crazy to me too. And when I listen to myself say that, it seems like get a life. But at the same time, I do that and uh, I do enjoy it. I don't spend hours and hours a day on that, but I will check especially uh, on TV.com. But I'm looking at AV Club. It looks really interesting, too. But they have a lot of features like Should I Watch? They have a series of Why Should I Watch Such and Such a Show? And if you go look at it, it's very witty. It's very funny. And they have a formula. So, like, they'll say, um, you know, who who is this for? What's good about it? What's bad about it? And it's just, it's very cleverly done. And it gives you, actually gives you a pretty good idea a lot closer than the crap you see on social media where it says, well, if you like this, you might like that, or on Amazon yeah. even, let's say, or something like that, where they try to match up your, your expectations. That never works well. I don't know why. Whereas yeah. this thing, this is a human being going, well, if you liked Breaking Bad, right. uh, but you hated uh, House and you like you know Law and Order, but only the second series about jury trials, then you probably like this. And if you didn't, you know, it goes on and on about that. It, it talks about who was in it, why you care, uh, and what they've done. Because a lot of times I don't know these people. I don't, you know, you you get 
like Bob Odenkirk, if you would have told me the name, I know he was in Breaking Bad. Now I know perfectly well who he was, who right. he is, and I know he was a he was a comic because I saw him in in a comedian in a funny series years ago, and realized that he was used to be just a stand up comic. Uh, and he's in uh, Fargo, by the Fargo, way, yeah. which yeah, is which is. is I was surprised to see. It's one of the reasons I came back to Fargo is because <laughs> because he's. I think he's brilliant. He's just great, you know. He, he is he, right. I, I'm waiting to see. I'm gonna hold. We talk about expectations sometimes. Yeah. Bre- I'm gonna hold off on my expectations on Better Call Saul. The prequel, yeah. The prequel. You know what? I'm hoping it'll be good. My my gut tells me. That it's going to be impossible for me and a lot of other uh, Breaking Bad fans mm-hmm. to separate the two shows essentially as standalones of each of their own. I have a hard time. Well, because uh, because guess, yeah, because, you know, I can see why. Because should should it is it going to be funny? Funny because Breaking Bad had this such a heavy thing yes. that when his scenes came on. It was. It wasn't that they were. He's such a was such a smartass in that role, and it wasn't that it was even funny. Although sometimes they were kind of funny, it but it was just relief. Yeah, yes. this this relief of the of the menace, constant menace of violent death and horrible drugs. Yes, and so if it's just going to be superficial, you know, people trying to get out of uh, alimony and st- that's the, the the thing that might not work is if they're trying to make it too funny. Or it could be hilarious and have nothing to do with Breaking Bad, which might work. It might almost be better off if it becomes like this very absurd, like his TV commercials for Better Call Saul. Yeah, Breaking yeah. Bad. They were very absurd. They were. It was very funny. It was it deliberately. Work. It was deliberately cheesy. Would that work as far as an entire series where it was deliberately cheesy? Because Mike is going to be on it. They've already said. Right, that. right, right, right. And he's great so, too. Yeah, he's great too. But how are you going to? Because he was he was a very dark presence yep. on that show. Yeah. So how are you going to make it um, much that much lighter? We'll see on that. But you know what? T- well, tonight is thankfully, thankfully, the season finale of Game of Thrones. So hopefully, I don't have to listen to any more shit on <laughs> TV and on the internet about that fucking show. Yeah, that's that's um, a show that's so popular. I've never watched oh, it. I can't. Geez. I can't watch. I've it. tried three times and. Oh, you don't like it? You watched no, it? And I didn't, didn't like, like it. it. No, I, I've tried it three times. I got through three episodes. Didn't like it. You know, and I spent. I I did it like a year to two years apart, so I could give myself time right. for it. Number one, I, I can watch shoot 'em ups all day long. It doesn't bother me. I really don't care for all the sword beheadings and things like that. I don't know why, but I just I don't know. It, it never got captured me, and and that's fine. It, not every show has to. But I'm just sick of hearing about it at this point. And like, I hope they all kill each other tonight. <laughs> and, that, and that's how the show ends. I know it's not because there's a lot of books. Has it been renewed? Oh, oh, God, yes. Yeah. And this will be on. Probably bought three new seasons, more. right? It's going to be on for many more years because it's taken from all series of books. Do you so know that? A long, long do, way to go. Do you realize that there are still more vampire series coming out on uh, yes. in this, either this, this month or next month? Yes, there are. There are several, and one is coming to an end. And zombies, too, by the way. New yes. zombies. Yep. True Blood is coming to an end. It's final season. Well, that's probably played itself. I've never watched that either. I watched about 20 seconds of it. True Blood, but it has hit its time. It's time. That's also a very successful series of books, no? Or am I crazy? You're muted. Yeah, it's like seven or eight different books here. Yeah, I'm muting. Because I know the dogs. Dog are, is, uh, they want to be fed, man. Give them yeah, some food. Yeah, no. <laughs> Okay, anyway, we, we were done uh, 20 minutes ago and 30 minutes ago, so no, <laughs> I think we should just remind people, this is leave, leavethebottlepodcast.com. 
You can catch us on SoundCloud and all the rest. I'm Randy. If we had gone much longer, we would have had to split this in half as part one and part two. Yep, but I think we'll be renewed for another season next time. See you next time. Talk to you soon. Okay. Okay.